I want to let you in on a secret. Every year, most pastors struggle with their Easter sermon. Now, not because of the message, of course. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest news you will ever hear. No, pastors struggle to make this message fresh and relevant. Hey, but not this year. Eight weeks ago, the global economy was bursting with growth. Stocks were soaring. Our globally connected world felt invulnerable. I mean, most of us were already making plans for our summer vacations. I mean, we were routinely going to restaurants and movies and concert. I mean, who among us was even thinking about illness and death? But we certainly are now. Despite our scientific and technological progress, uh, we are being reminded that we are fragile creatures on a fallen planet. We're discovering that our global economy is fragile, our relationships are fragile, our medical capabilities are fragile, even life itself is deeply fragile. Now, most of the time, we don't like to think about these things. Instead, you know, we, we try to keep death at arm's length. You know, we work out, try to lose weight, we eat the right things to lower our cholesterol, and, and we do everything we can to keep our mortality far from us. But in this dark moment, all of our illusions of security have completely vanished. I mean, by now, most of us know somebody who's contracted the COVID-19 virus. Some of us, myself included, even know somebody who's died. So here's the question. Knowing how fragile life is with an invisible enemy lurking everywhere, how? How can we face tomorrow? How can we live life being crippled by fear? I mean, uh, what, what can we do to make life worth living under these conditions? Well, these questions reminded me of an old song, and maybe you know it. It goes like this. Now, I'll save you from singing it uh, and just read it. Because he lives... I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. So how can we face tomorrow? How can we live without fear and what makes life worth living? Well, the answer is because he lives. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. And that's what I want to clarify today. More specifically, the resurrection changes three things. The resurrection amends your past, it offers hope for today, and it secures your future. Because he is alive, it changes everything. Well, I'm going to use this old song to help frame my message. So I've asked my dear friend Keon to come up and help us sing the song. Keon, would you please lead us in the first verse? God sent his son They called him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive He bled and died To buy my pardon An empty grave is there So this first verse reminds us the resurrection, it amends our past. 2,000 years ago, after Jesus was crucified on a Friday, 
the historic account confirms that Jesus resurrected from the dead on Sunday. Over 500 people testified to seeing Jesus alive. Well, okay, you say, but how does that amend my past? Well, here's how. It frees us from our past because Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin. 1 Peter 2 verse 24 states, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sin, we may live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Now, although Jesus was innocent and without sin, he offered his body as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sin. He bore our sins, all of our mistakes, everything bad that you and I have ever done and left undone, and bore in his body the punishment that we deserved. Now, because Jesus is God, the price he paid was an infinite price, costly enough to atone for the sins of the whole world. And note the past tense here. By his wounds, we have been healed. Colossians 1 verse 22, it echoes the same fact. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, because of what Jesus has done for us, dying and rising for us, you have been reconciled with God. To all who trust in Christ, our past is fully amended. Now recently, I was reading this incredible story that came out of Italy. Two weeks ago in the small town of Lovra, the hospitals were at capacity and ran out of available ventilators. Well, a pastor in the town, Father Berardelli, became infected by the virus and was hospitalized. The people in the town loved him so much that they actually bought him a ventilator. But when Father Berardelli learned of a younger man who needed a ventilator, he donated his. And as a result, Berardelli lost his own life. Father Berardelli sacrificed his own life to save another man's life. And that's a beautiful analogy of what Jesus did for us. But there's one large difference. Where Berardelli's sacrifice offered one man a few more years on this earth, Jesus' sacrifice offers all people who trust in him life for the rest of eternity. So, have you trusted in Christ? If not, why not ask him right now to cleanse you? and to amend the stains of your past. So not only does the resurrection amend our past, it, it, it also gives us hope to face the present. Uh, Keon, would you please sing the second verse of the hymn? How sweet to hold Our newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives but greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because christ lives now i don't know about you but more than myself and my health. Look, I'm concerned about my kids. I mean, I look at their beautiful faces and I never want them to suffer. 
So in the midst of a world struggling with infection and death, how can we offer any real hope to our kids? Or for that matter, for ourselves? Well, the answer once again is because he lives. We can have daily hope to face every struggle that comes our way because he lives. And that's, that's exactly what the first disciples show us. Imagine for a moment the confusion and the grief that the disciples felt after witnessing Jesus die. I mean, for three years, they spent every day together watching him do miracles and believing that he was the Messiah. I mean, Jesus wasn't just their teacher. He was their dear friend. And suddenly, Jesus is arrested, crucified, and lying dead in a tomb. They're grieving, overcome with doubt, not to mention regret for their cowardice. They lost all hope for living. Now, in the midst of this pandemic, maybe you've even felt that same way. Uh, maybe you've been furloughed or even lost your job because of this virus. Uh, maybe this quarantine has worsened some dysfunction in your family. Or maybe you even have a loved one who's struggling with the disease right now, even this virus. And like the disciples, you are struggling to find hope. So where can any of us find hope in the midst of life's troubles? The only true and lasting hope is found in the resurrection. You see, not long after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to his disciples. John 20, 19 tells us, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, after encountering the resurrected Jesus, here's what happened. These men who had been cowering, hiding from the authorities in fear for their lives, suddenly came out of the shadows and became fearless. And when the authorities tried to kill them for telling everybody else about the resurrection, they said, fine, you could kill me. That just means I get to go be with Jesus. Or keep me alive. Well, then I get to tell more people about Jesus. Your call. <laughs> well, suddenly, they fearlessly were able to face the day. And what brought about this transformation? What gave them the ability to stand firm in the midst of suffering? It was the resurrection. The resurrection proved not only that there's life after death, but there's real hope for living. Real hope that no matter what happens in this life, God has your back. And it offers us real purpose because even in the midst of suffering, Jesus is in charge. Therefore, there's no reason to be afraid. So have you trusted Jesus with your present circumstances? Ask him to fill you with his presence and to offer you so much confidence in the resurrection that it gives you hope to face each new day. So, Kian, let, let's sing that last verse of the hymn. And then one day I will cross that river I'll find life's to victory I 
So lastly, okay, not only does the resurrection amend our past and offer us hope in the present, the resurrection also secures our future. See, most every religion promises some sort of spiritual future, a kind of spiritual bliss as the consolation for the things you've lost in this life. But the Bible teaches that resurrection is not just a consolation. It's the restoration of all you've lost. You don't just get your body back. You get a pain-free, beautiful body you never had, maybe with a, a full head of hair. Uh, you, you don't just get your life back. You get the life that you never had. All that you thought you've missed out in this life, the resurrected Jesus offers walking proof that you will miss out on nothing, nothing. Look, there's no religion, there's no faith, there's no philosophy that has ever offered the world this kind of future. This future is coming, and it's going to be imaginably, unimaginably wonderful. I mean, don't you want to go? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 14 states, He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Now, for all who trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the resurrection secures our future. And just like Jesus was raised, all who trust in him will likewise one day rise to eternal life with God and be reunited with all who trust in him. But someone, you know, might ask, and maybe you're even asking this at home, can I ever be good enough to get into heaven? Well, the answer to that question is no. No one can ever be good enough to get into heaven on their own merit. But all who trust in Jesus are made righteous because of his grace. Not because of what I or you have done, but because of what Jesus did. You see, what he did becomes accredited to us. And that grace can alleviate all fear of the future, even of God's judgment. Here, take a look at Acts 17, verse 31. God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, one day, all people will rise to face judgment. Of course, this judge who is risen, it's Jesus. So think about that. The one who will judge all people is the one who loves you so much that he endured the cross for you. The one who forgives all who trust in him. See, see, if Jesus is our judge and he's for you, and our judge is for us, if you trust in him as your Lord, you have no reason to be afraid. One afternoon uh, in the later stages of my mother's struggle with cancer, she confided in me that she was afraid. And I asked her, are you afraid of dying or what comes afterward? And she said, what comes afterward? Now, although my mother had trusted in Jesus her whole life, I can understand why she was afraid. You know, none of us have lived good enough lives to stand in judgment before God, just like we're saying. But I, I was able to assure her of two things. Mom, God will let you into heaven, not because of what you've done, but because you've trusted Jesus and what he did for you. And two, 
You've got no reason to fear because the very person who will judge you is Jesus Christ, the very one who loved you and died for you. And she said, um, I'll never forget, thank you, Mark. Now I'm not afraid. You see, because he lives, we have no reason to fear the future. All who trust in him will rise just as Jesus did. And the same Jesus who loves you so much that he died for you will be your loving judge. So are you afraid of your eternal future and what happens after you die? Trust in Jesus now. Invite him into your life by prayer and allow him to alleviate your fear. You know, Jesus performed miracles throughout his life, but all of those miracles, well, they were ultimately temporary. You know, the feeding of the multitude only kept people satisfied for a few hours. The stilling of the storm lasted only until the next squall. And despite the miraculous catch of fish, you know, in a few days, the disciples had to fish again. And even if a miraculous cure for this virus is found, it still isn't going to address our greatest enemy, death itself. It'll only prolong the inevitable. I mean, the last time I looked, the mortality rate was hovering somewhere around 100%. <laughs> but when Jesus arose from the dead, he performed an everlasting miracle, a miracle that offers hope to all who trust in him that they will never suffer again, never to be subject to sin or any of its consequences, never to die again. The resurrection is the only miracle that lasts forever. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. So do you know this resurrected Jesus? Would you like to? You know, if you let us know right now in the chat, we'll open up a private conversation with you. And let me tell you about another opportunity. We call it Christianity Explored. In the next few weeks, we're going to offer Christianity Explored virtually. Uh, and CE, uh, Christianity Explored, it's a judgment-free zone where you can ask your questions and express some doubts and make some new friends. Uh, thousands of people have gone through this course and they've encountered Jesus. If you're interested, you can go to our website at bayprez.org for more information or even just email us at ce at bayprez.org. And look, if you've got a friend who might be interested, please encourage them to check it out. Let me close with this. August Wilson, the great American playwright, he wrote a play called Joe Turner's Come and Gone. It's set in Pittsburgh in 1911, and it's about the children of slaves trying to forge their new identities in that city. The main character is a kind of lost soul named Loomis, a man running away. And late in the play, a wise man named Bynum uh, sizes him up and he says, now I can look at you, Mr. Loomis, and see you're a man who done forgot his song, forgot how to sing it. A fellow forget that, and he forget who he is, forget how he's supposed to mark down life. <laughs> Quote needs a southern accent. Now, in this season, don't forget your song. Don't forget how to sing it, because if you do, you will forget who you are. So sing to remember what God has done to amend your past. Sing to celebrate the hope that you have in the midst of the season. Sing of your assurance in what lies in the future. Sing 
to celebrate the greatest life-changing news you will ever hear. He lives. So Keon, uh, would you lead us through the, the whole of the song? And I want to invite you at home, stand and sing with us. Let's all belt out this song together. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives.
Beautiful. So, would you bow your head and pray with me? Now to him who is able to exceedingly more than you could ever dare to ask or imagine by the power of his spirit at work within you, the same resurrected spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead. Now to him be all glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Happy Easter, he is risen.